HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Cutting the Curd. This is your host, Greg Blaze, and on today's show, I'm happy to welcome Albert Strauss, a pioneer in organic dairy and sustainable agriculture and founder of Strauss Family Creamery in Northern California. How are you doing, Albert? Great. How are you, Greg? I'm fantastic. It's been only a couple days since I've seen you, and I'm happy to talk to you again. Uh, Strauss has an amazing story, and I'm excited to hear more about your values and efforts to do business by those values, to be sustainable in every sense of the word. But first, I'd like to just start by taking a little, talking a little bit about your background and what led you to a career in dairy following in your family's footsteps. Uh, what have been the challenges, you know, um, and, uh, you know, in your history? Talk to me. Okay. okay. Um, let's see. I grew up on, on our family dairy farm in outside Marshall, California, which is on the north northern California coast above San Francisco. Uh, my father started in 1941. He had 23 cows, and we operated as a conventional farm for decades, trying to to make it work as a family farm. And my parents were very active in trying to work with um, environmentalists, um, uh, farmers, community members, to, to really try to... Uh, protect and ensure the future of family farms in our community. And my mother started the first agricultural land trust in the nation, the Marin Agricultural Land Trust in 1980. And so um, my history is I went to school in um, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in dairy science and take, took a lot of manufacturing classes and one third place in regional 
contest in ice cream scoring. And um, so I always had a, my senior thesis was actually to put together a processing plant. And I put it out of my mind for a couple, de- a decade and a half or so. And then someone approached me about doing organic milk for ice cream. And it was 1990. It was a new law in California. And they gave up on the idea, but I kept looking into it. And three and a half years later, I was able to open up as the first certified organic dairy and creamery west of the Mississippi River. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and I, mean, I can tell you a little <laughs> bit more. Um, you know, I mean, now we were the first one. Now there are nine dairies, including my own, the supplier creamery. And we do reusable glass bottle milk, butter, yogurt, ice cream, sour cream, Greek yogurt, um, the soft serve ice cream, all kinds of different things. Um, and our main thing is we only do organic, 100% organic um, products, as well as they're kosher certified and non-GMO verified. We were the first. We've, I found GMOs in our certified organic corn in 2005 and became my uh-huh. own, started my own verification program in 2008 and became the first um, non-GMO verified Creamery in North America in 2010. That's amazing. So when you when you hear that, like so, when you would, what does the word organic mean to you exactly? You know, because that word gets thrown around a lot, and uh, I mean, it's it's bled into every sort of uh, television commercial and everything you know that I see. <clears throat> so when you when you tell me that you're organic. And uh, you're certified. But that means that means that everything is from the earth that creates it. Correct? No help from mankind with any sort of supplements or, like you say, where GMOs. Correct? That's part of it. I think it, what it is is a federal law, um, the National Organic Program that's administered by the USDA, um, that requires that the land is free herbicides, pesticides, and synthetic fertilizers for at least three years. And then, in, as in the case of dairy farms, the milk, um, so the cows have to be uh, on all organic feeds for at least a year, and then the uh, cows are not allowed to be treated with antibiotics or hormones. And once you have them transition to organic, they have to be treated organically uh, from birth. Excellent. So what has been the challenges in growing that business while you maintain the quality you're looking for? What's the biggest challenge you've had? Well, I feel that our biggest, our mission is to sustain family farms in Marin, Sonoma County, which is on the North Coast, and, uh-huh. and to produce the highest quality, um, minimally processed organic products, uh, dairy products, um, and help to revitalize the rural community through education and advocacy everywhere. And our biggest hurdles are trying to make an economic system and a sustainable system for family farms, dairy farms, um, and we've, we, I think we've become a, become a lot closer to that ideal by working very collaboratively with the nine farms that supply us, include myself, of course, um, but we, so the dairy, they get dairy, uh, the milk checks twice a month. We have someone from management that hand delivers those checks instead of mailing them or direct depositing them. And so we get a relationship. We have people in management at the creamery that get relationships with the farmers, understand their challenges their, and, and how we can work better together. And then four times a year we get together with all the dairies and talk about how the creamery is doing, and we talk about volume and price. 
and we keep the volume that the farms produce in line with our sales. So right now there's a surplus of organic milk nationwide, and what's happened is everybody's dropping their prices to the farms, everybody's dropping the amount of volume that they can accept, and we're able to maintain the price and the volumes very steady because we work so closely with them. Uh, for me, you know, the, <clears throat> the relationships and the consistency of maintaining those relationships is always my biggest challenge just to get product in as a retailer, you know, and, uh, and that's like even uh, the, that includes even like the, the mailing of checks and the receiving of checks. So, the, you know, we're trying to cut out as many people in the middle as you possibly can to make that happen. You know what I mean? Like that seems to be the way, or that's the way I found it to be best for me. You know, maybe it's a little bit the same for you. Right. I mean, I think uh, I just uh, described the relationship we have with our farms, and we're also trying to create, <coughs> excuse me, closer relationships with our customers as well and see yeah. how we can better serve our customers and keep the quality of our products high and our mission, uh, which is, uh, you know, to sustain family farms. So what we've, what I'm now trying to prove is that um, – Family dairy farms are a primary solution to climate change through carbon farming, methane digesters, organic farming methods, and get out right. of fossil fuels vehicles. And we've we are we have a three-year plan to to uh, be, prove that our, that our farm our farm can be carbon positive. We have a carbon farm plan, a 20-year carbon farm plan, where we are are projected to sequester 2,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent per year. Uh, 80% of that comes from our methane digester where we produce all the electricity from, from our farm from the waste from the cows. And then um, 20% comes from adding compost to land and having animals graze the pastures and pulling carbon back from the atmosphere and putting it back in the soil. As well as we, we've just, just now have announced the first fully electric feed truck in the world that is powered That's by... Awesome. It's a battery-powered truck, full-scale truck that's powered by the cow's waste. So close. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit later about your cow poop truck because I find okay. that very interesting. <laughs> but before I do that, um, you had mentioned that you also uh, you also make uh, yogurt, and I was wondering what do you do with the whey byproduct of your yogurt making? So the whey from our Greek yogurt um, is fed back to the cows as a feed. Um, we, you know, hope to someday um, make products out of it, but for right now, um, it's not being wasted at all. It goes back um, to the cows. Totally, we get a we we get a, a nice little uh, yogurt producer who you met over the weekend with us, uh, um, <clears throat> White Mustache, and she uh, she turns uh, the way the way into drinks, which I which I guzzle because I've got a bad stomach, so it, it helps me out. Um, and uh, maybe you got some plans to do that sort of thing in the future. That might be cool. You might like that. Yeah. No, I but. think it'd be, it'd be a great way to go. Um, you know, there's always issues around the volume of, of, of the way that you get in the, in the sales of the product. So it's, it's, a, it's going to be a balancing act. Cool. Where can people find your milk if they want to buy it? We're distributed all over the West Coast, and we're a regional dairy. I didn't want to go national because I feel that the farming model is a – regional model like it used to be and that other farming communities around the country should be able to replicate it. And so our products are found 
in Whole Foods, uh, Sprouts, um, some Safeways, and, um, and a lot of the in- independent and organic co-ops and, and food stores. So we're cool. We're all over. And then our ice cream uh, mixes. Uh, there's some some um, accounts that use it for their base for their uh, making their ice cream, like uh, Buy Right Creamery, Fairfax Scoop, yeah. you know, in the Bay Area. And then we also have a, um, a, a barista milk that um, uh, counts like a Intelligentsia, um, Italy, um, <laughs> different places are using as for their coffee drinks. Awesome. Yeah, we love it. Um, we, we're opening up, as you know, here in L.A., Italy is, and we're using uh, your milk to make gelato. Um, we're using your barista blend, and we're using it to make the white mustache yogurt. So we love your right. stuff. Um, I know that Cowgirl Creamery uses your milk, and I'm sure your milk, as you mentioned, is used by many other folks to create other products. Do you guys make cheese, or do you have any plans to make cheese? We're looking at making cheese in the, in the near future, in 2018, hopefully. Um, what would what would be your dream cheese to make? What would cheese would you love? Well, right now we're looking at um, we're looking at uh, um, mozzarellas and different type of Italian cheeses, um, but um, and then a, and probably cottage cheese. But um, oh yeah, so we're we're still in the exploratory stages of those those products. Cottage cheese was tough. You know, I was buying cottage cheese from uh, Cowgirl for a long time, but then they had to stop making it uh, due to the amount of water that it used. And uh, I'd really love to see it come back into the market. I mean, that's probably, you probably run into the same uh, the same problem uh, when you think about making cottage cheese. Well, water is a big, a big resource for, I mean, it's a scarce resource for us. We've, we've yeah. um, never had much water out on the coast in California so we've actually made systems since I started to reuse and and uh, and minimize our usage in the first place. So all the water that we reuse is reused between the, the creamery and the dairy, and then eventually all the wastewater goes into our digester where we're producing electricity out of it, and it goes back on our land. Um, so That's a- yeah, we've we've done a lot of things. We've, actually, the the water we pull from our milk, um, which is called cow water. Uh, when we yeah. condense the milk, is reused for washing equipment as well. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, I mean, I'm from the, you know, they're in the Northeast. It's like a swamp up there. I mean, I just, you know, we complain about too much precipitation. Whenever I come out here, I'm always just shocked at, you know, frankly, at how wasteful we are <laughs> with the water that we have on the East Coast um, because we just have so much of it. And uh, when I come out here, I'm forced to think in a different way. Thanks for rolling with me through that little um, that little uh, technical difficulty. We're going to take a short break, and then when I come back, I want to talk to you about your values in action. And uh, So just hang out with us, Albert, and hang out with us listeners, and we'll be back in a second with more Cutting the Curd. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? 
lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh cheese curds or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com, and as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm speaking with Albert Strauss of the Strauss Valley, Strauss Family Creamery. Um, in this part of the show, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about how you stay true to the values at the center of your company, which I know from speaking to you and my familiarity with the company are to preserve organic integrity, reduce your carbon footprint, support family farms, and take responsibility for what's happening in your local communities and our food system at large. You mentioned uh, organics in the beginning, so um, I wanted to move on and ask you about your carbon footprint. And related to your carbon footprint, you mentioned more about your uh, cow poop truck. I wanted you uh, to uh, tell me you know, about that and uh, how that's going to reduce your carbon footprint and uh, just maybe generally about the culture of innovation at Strauss. Sure. Um, well, so the, the electric feed truck has uh, been an eight-year project of mine. That um, actually, we're waiting for t- we were waiting for technology to catch up with the thought with the, with the idea. Yeah. Um, but what it what it is 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 a thirty-three thousand pound electric truck. It's a converted international truck that um, we've put an electric motor on, uh, uh, two Nissan Leaf worth worth of batteries, and um, it's it's charged. We charge it when we're not driving and feeding, um, but it's charged with electricity from us. You know, from uh, us use. Uh, excuse me. Um, generate electricity from a methane digester, and um, it's offsetting about 18 metric tons per year uh, that we're not using in diesel. And, That's amazing. Um, and it and it costs about a hundred and thirty thousand dollars to convert. But if I was to buy a, um, a diesel-powered truck to replace it, it would have been sixty to hundred thousand dollars. So, um, since it was the first of its kind, it, you know, I figured we had at least twenty or thirty thousand dollars extra cost that we sure. had to do if it was in production. So it was. We didn't have to go very far or very fast, but we need a lot of power. So as a huge, hundred seventy horsepower, I think nine hundred fifty pounds of torque motor. So it's it's a wow. big. A big, um, big motor. I mean, small compared to a diesel motor, but it still um, has plenty of power to go up a, a steep hill and feed, feed cows, and, and it works well. And it puts about eighteen thousand pounds of feed into a load, so it's 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 a full. It does everything we need. It works seven days a week, three hundred sixty-five days a year. 
That's awesome. I just I love that. I oh, love I love that. Yeah. yeah. So you wanted to talk about innovation. You know, I think what yeah. I try to do is encourage innovation and thinking about how can we do things better and more sustainably in every part of our operation. How can we close the loop? So there was um, we have a cream separator that um, was using four to five thousand gallons of water a day, and yeah. I had an idea to reuse to make a closed loop where we could save save most of that water. And the dairy regulations didn't allow us to do that because it wasn't in it in specified in the in the pasteurized milk ordinance. So I went to the state yeah. of California to the um, Secretary of Agriculture, and, it was, and then they facilitated to allow us to do it. And so we're saving three to four thousand gallons of water a day through through reuse. And that's um, incredible. And then our glass bottles. I started out with glass bottles, reusable glass bottles, which are made out of 30% recycled glass. We put um, a $2 deposit on each bottle when it goes out to the distributor, the retailer, the consumer, and then the consumer brings it back to the store. It comes back to us, and they get the $2 back. And we get over 80%, 80 to 90% of our bottles back, and we get four to six uses out of a bottle on, on average. And so That's great, man. It's something that I feel that resources are finite. Um, we need to do our part as as a responsible member of the community, and those are things we try to do. No, and, and it's, it's interesting. You can't you can't uh, change one thing without the other. They're, one of my favorite dumb movies is called uh, I think it's called Pumping Iron. It's with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he is talking about how he builds his body, and he can't change one muscle without changing all of the other muscles in the way they look because it wouldn't look the same. So I feel like when you start to innovate and you do it in one portion of your business, then other parts where you can do that probably stick out. And then before you know it, you're closing the loops in all of your business and giving people a nice roadmap for how to, uh, you know, how to be sustainable and responsible with their resources, which is really cool. And um, that leads me into my next question, that, you know, your value of taking responsibility for what's happening in your local communities. I wanted to talk briefly about the wildfires in Northern California recently. It was devastating just to see the images of destruction. But you guys are so close to what happened. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how you fared and how things are there right now in terms of that? Well, the good news was is that none of our dairies or animals were affected. Um, uh-huh. But we had 25 employees that had to evacuate. We had them coming out to the coast where a farm and creamery are, and we housed housed a lot of them um, for a day or two. Um, and then two of them lost their homes. And so uh-huh. we're trying to support them, and as well as it's really been encouraging to see the community come together. We had 17 employees uh, volunteering at a shelter. Uh, we had we we took our, our excuse me our refrigerated truck and helped move for FEMA commercial kitchens. We helped move food. We donated product. Um, so we're trying to do our best to help support our community. The fact is, there's 8,000 homes that have been destroyed, and we're trying to figure out. You know, there's short-term needs, uh, interim needs, and long-term needs, and we're trying to figure out how we can best uh, help and, um, you know, financially. There's, you know, there's no clothing. There's no, um, 
you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that are needed right now. So it's, um, yeah. we're trying to figure out how the best way. But overall, the encouraging part is that everybody pulled together and, and is really working together well. Um, the challenges are there's, you know, where do the, the people that didn't have insurance, didn't have uh, their renters, um, you know, they might be uh, different legal statuses in this country. Yeah. You know, how can we support everybody and make it work? And, you know, there was a shortage of housing already, and it's been so expensive. It's really a huge challenge I think we need to address as quickly as possible. Of course, everything's a la carte. The United States has become an a la carte country. It's ridiculous. Um, and, uh, but, I um, mean, you guys pitch in. It just seems like that's just what you do. You just pitch in and make things better. Um, and through that, you're very much a part of the California food system. But I was wondering, my last question is, how does, how does what you do and how you do it affect the larger U.S. food system, and does it at all? What we're trying to do is, is to make a, a, a farming system and a food system that can be replicated everywhere else, you know, around the country, around the world, and make a show that farming is actually a positive, can be positive for the environment, positive uh, for the people working on the, in the community and re- the local community, and also by providing high-quality organic foods locally. And so we haven't, we on purpose haven't gone national with our products because um, we've tried to create a, create a regional model. Um, so I think that we have implications or we have influence around the country. Um, we stay true to our values and we don't try, we don't take outside investors because I feel that my mission and my values get diluted when we st- start bringing in outside, outside uh, influences and money. So, um, so we try to really move forward and create a really um, healthy uh, farming community because farming has been devastated in this country. You know, we're, yes. we, start, we had 4.6 million dairy farms in 1940, and now we have 40,000 left, and they figure there's going to be 20,000 in the next decade. So we need to change how we're doing farming and, and supporting, supporting our farms in our local communities. Well, and people can definitely look to you as a beacon for how to stay, you know, ahead of all of the unfortunately nasty shit that happens in this country. And I just want to say, you know, thank you so much for your time and uh, for your awesome products that you gave us here at Italy. Um, So if you guys are lucky enough, uh, listeners, to be in Northern California, you've got to buy Strauss milk, cream, butter, everything that these guys do because it's amazing and uh maybe someday they'll be available in other places but you could come here to italy and los angeles and uh taste our gelato or you could go to amazing byright creamery in san fran and get albert's stuff there and thank you so much for your time albert and uh i want to thank you all for listening and uh stay tuned next week for more cutting the curd ciao thank you Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.